X-ray Delta One, this is Mission Control. Roger, your one niner three zero. Just what do you think you're doing, Dave? All I'm offering is the truth. Nothing more. All right, I'll take a shot at it. What the hell? It works on Star Trek. There's a fleet of Star Destroyers coming out of hyperspace in Sector 4. Come quietly or there will be trouble. And the law! Put down your weapon. You have 20 seconds to comply. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. And now we take a quantum leap forward. This is a reach call. You're listening to Trex and Sci-Fi. Hey everybody, welcome to the Trex and Sci-Fi podcast. I'm not Rico. Today is Sunday, September the 7th, 2014. We're going to listen to episode 503. We're your hosts, Sean and Bridget Vanderloo. Now we're not your regular hosts. No, for today we are. We're the regular hosts for today. Well, we're not your typical hosts. We're definitely not typical. If you know what I mean. No. We come all the way from the Rusted Robot podcast. That's right. And for you today, we are going to do, I guess it's a top 10 list for top... Our favorite movie robots. Yeah. But before we get into into that... Top 10 favorite movie robots? uh, Yeah. Yeah. Not robot movies. No, no. Definitely not. Movie robots. Movie robots. Mm -hmm. That's right. But before we begin, we wanted to uh, send a special thank you to Rico for allowing us to uh, come on here and take over his program. Yes. 503 episodes. Well, you know what happened on September 3rd? What? Not only was it my birthday. It Happy was, birthday. Thank you. It was Rico's nine-year anniversary of doing the podcast. On your birthday? On my birthday. He started back on my birthday in 2005. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. That's pretty cool. It is very cool. Right, right. And he's graciously allowed us to take over the program for this week. Yes, so thank you so much. It's definitely appreciated. Mm-hmm. He said we could promote our show and talk about whatever we wanted. So we... Here we are talking about whatever we want. So we've decided... Well... Wait, we should let the listeners know that we are the number one rated robot-related podcast. In northeastern Ontario. That's right. That's fact. Yes, it's on our business card. And why are we the number one rated robot-related podcast in northeastern Ontario, Sean? Because we're the only one. That's right. (laughs) Yes. That doesn't mean we're not top-rated. No, definitely not. Number one. That's true. That's true. I hope and, we don't get any competition. That would be uh, not good. Right, right. And we don't mean we, uh, we don't mean Ontario, California. We're, we're talking Ontario, Canada. Yeah, where the cold stuff happens. The Great White North. They don't call it that for nothing. That's true. You know. Yeah. It's cold, so let's get off of the weather because that's a really typical conversation that people have. Is the weather? Yeah. So we are being typical hosts. Oh. Well, that's okay. Rico always gives a weather report too, so it's 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 in tradition. Well, it's cold. It's all good. There you go. Okay, so what we've decided to do is talk about our top ten favorite movie robots. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily the top ten movie robots of all time, because that's a subjective list. That and it's really we we had to narrow it down to ten because there's we, well we still think there's a lot of robots that are really cool out there. If if we were going to do all the robots we love, it would be a fifteen hour show. Of course. Yeah. So that's why we have a podcast called the Rusted Robot Podcast because we love robots. That's right. Robots in sci-fi, robots and everything. Exactly. Because it pops up everywhere. A little robot here and there. There's a commercial. There's a robot on there, and it's just kind of expected. And it's an expected part of our culture. There isn't anybody who doesn't love a robot. Mechanical things. That's right. It's a mechanical thing. Yeah. So, before we begin... Who doesn't love a good robot? Nobody! I don't think there's anybody who doesn't love a good robot. That's right. So, what we have here... Let me just pull up my papers. Oh, I don't know where... Oh, it's right here. Here it is. So, we're going to talk about the definitions of robots, cyborgs, and androids. Now, where did we find these definitions? Is this in the Webster's Dictionary? No, it's just online. Okay. It's just But it's a pretty good definition nonetheless. That's right. And and when we say the top ten movie robots, we're not talking specifically robots. It's all encompassing. Cyborgs and androids are included. It's all uh, encompassing. Now the only thing that uh when we were doing the list that we decided was we wouldn't do robots that came originally from T V. So Data the Android from the next generation of Star Trek, he originated on T V. He was in movies, but he doesn't count. And gets a super honorable mention. Yes. You know? That's right. That's right. Because he's a really cool android. And and we didn't do AI, like HAL 9000 or Gertie from Moon. 
we, we didn't do AIs. Right. We're doing specifically robots, cyborgs, and androids. Now, well, these are these are all robots. I mean, if I look at the list, there's 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 no cyborgs on there. There is. We'll get to that. Is there? Oh yeah. Don't worry about that. Okay. All okay. Right. So, first of all, the, right. de- the, the definition of a robot is something that's mechanical and not designed to pass for a human being. It's any artificial thing made to do work. So, like a tractor. Well, not a tractor because that's a machine. Like, okay. like uh, a robot is semi-autonomous. It can be remote controlled, or it can do work on its own, like a like a car building arm in a factory, or uh, you know that kind of thing. It has to have some kind of a purpose. Right. Yes. Exactly. Now, a cyborg is bionic. It includes organic and inorganic components. Correct. Right. And then, of course, the android is mechanical. It's like a robot, and it but it's designed to look and act like a human. Ish. Right. So robots and androids are fairly similar, but androids are human-like. They're human-like. Mm-hmm. That's that's the key difference between them. That's right. That's kind of what we think anyways. Yeah. Well, because robots, are they tend to be, like, made of metal. They're machines. They're mechanical exactly. men. Just like one of our favorite robots. Which will be on the list. So we're going to do, what, a top ten countdown from our least favorite to our most favorite? That's not how I would put it whatsoever. Okay. Uh, what it's we... a list that we just put together because my favorite is not necessarily your favorite for completely different reasons. Right. Right. And are we doing it for pop culture significance or just because we like them? Well, there's different reasons. Yeah. There's, there's all... different reasons and well... they will be listed as we go. That's right. So, without further ado, the list. We are the Rusted Robot Podcast. Lower your shields and surrender your minds. We will add your MP3 recordings and opinion on geekery to our own. We will adapt to embrace this culture. Resistance is futile. It's the bog. Commander Adama, Cybermen, Daleks, and Cylons are fast approaching. Jump gates forming in multiple sectors and the doctors nowhere to be found. What are we going to do? Tune into the Rusted Robot Podcast at therustedrobot.podbean.com and on the iTunes Store. Sean and Bridget Vanderloo's love for all things geekery and robots are our only hope. Oh boy. Get rusted today. Robots. Cyborg. Androids. Oh my. Rusted Robot Number 10 The Fembot, sometimes referred to as a gynoid, is the name for an android depicted in the Austin Powers film series. The name originates from 1976 Bionic Woman Fembots, and they were basically a parody on the Austin Powers series. In Austin Powers, we first see it in the first film, International Man of Mystery, which was released in 1997, and the purpose of those Fembots were that they were created by Dr. Evil in order to use, I suppose, their mojo in order to stop Austin powers. They're defining characteristics of these bots that they're, uh, they dress in provocative outfits and they have boob cannons. Very nice. Stop them So as I said earlier, they were designed by Dr. Evil, and in the first movie, uh, they are wearing their fuzzy pink uh, bras, I suppose, and they try to lure Austin, and they knock him out with their knockout gas. Oh, cool. Now, these are the only fembots that we see with knockout gas in their cannons. The, the other ones are all with bullets. Right, right. I remember that now. Yes. 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 So, uh, they knock him out with knockout, ga- knockout gas, and when he comes to be awake, he realizes what they're trying to do and is into it and decides to give them a striptease. And his striptease short-circuits them because it's just an overload right. and their heads explode. Oh. So he possesses, Austin Powers possesses the capability of making the Fembot's heads explode with his crazy mojo dancing. Now, the first Austin Powers film grossed nearly $54 million in the... At the beginning, or at the end of the first one, uh, he marries uh, Vanessa Kensington. 
played by Elizabeth Hurley. Played by Elizabeth Hurley, whom, unfortunately, at the beginning of the second movie, which is The Spy Who Shagged Me, released in 1999, she turns out to be a fembot. And the first indication that he had that she was a fembot was uh, he starts to rewind TV and notices that he's rewinding his wife at the same time. That would be a good clue. And, of course, the final clue, I think, that did it for him was that, uh, well, she had boot cannons. That'll do it every time. Right. And so he then realized that uh, she was a fembot. Now, this film, the second one, made a cool $206 million. That's quite an increase. Right. But the highest grossing film for Austin was Goldmember, which brought in $213 million and was released in 2002. Okay. Now, this one, maybe it's as a result of the fact that Britney Spears portrayed a fembot. That would do it for me. Quite possible. Yes. Quite possible. Each one had def- definitely the uh, the budgets to make these movies increased as the years went by. International Man of Mystery had a budget of sixteen point five million. Uh, also with a Rotten Tomatoes review at seventy percent. Not bad. Yeah. The Spy Who Shagged Me had a budget of $33 million with a Rotten Tomatoes review at 51%. And the budget for Goldmember was $63 million, Rotten Tomatoes review at 54%. So Rotten Tomatoes people just like the first one better. Right, but they increased in budget and in profits as time went on. Yeah, yeah. But don't forget they didn't only have Britney Spears... Beyonce was in it? Beyonce right? was in that one. Mm-hmm. So they kind of used the music scene to uh, to bring up their, their sales, which is okay. All right. So that's the fembots. Now, are they robots, cyborgs, or androids? Well, they're androids. I said that. You did. And why are they included on our list? Why they're why on they... our list is because it's been a long time issue with me that in pop culture, even though... All of these machines don't have any reproductive organs of any kind. There seems to be much less female robots as opposed to male robots. That's true. They're usually referred to as he. Mustaches, as we'll see later on as our lists progress. But female robots, very few. I can think of four off the top of my head. Tell me. Okay, well, the fembots? Yeah. Uh, Dot Matrix from, from Spaceballs. Spaceballs. Yeah. Uh, there's the original Evil Maria from uh, Metropolis from the twenties. Oh, right. And Eve from Wally. Okay. These are the only four that I can think of off the top of my head. Maybe there's more, but if you can only think of that many off the top of your head, how many male, so to speak, robots are there? The rest. <laughs> right. Exactly. Okay. So that's why the fembots made it on our list. Very cool. That's right. And not like. Dot Matrix, because she's a parody of a robot that's, all right, cooler. Yes. I'm not going to lie. Number nine. TikTok from Return to Oz. This movie released June 21st, 1985, and made just over $11 million in North American sales. It had a budget of $28 million, directed by Walter Murch, produced by Walt Disney Pictures, and distributed by Buena Vista Distribution. It was nominated for Best Visual Effects uh, and Best Visual Effects Academy Award, but in that year lost to Cocoon, if you remember that year, in the Academy Awards. Now, TikTok in this movie was one of the main characters of Return to Oz, which was adapted from Ozma of Oz. In the movie, he is the entire Royal Army of Oz. Ironic, considering he's his general um, helpless nature. Throughout the film, he shows great loyalty and camaraderie to Dorothy and the group, but his lack of emotions proved beneficial during dangerous events. He's made entirely of copper and is as tall as Dorothy Gale. His body is as round as a ball and his limbs are jointed and hinged to his body with caps on the joints. Now he runs on clockwork springs, which periodically need to be wound, like a wind-up toy or mechanical clock. He has separate windings for thought, action, and speech. Uh, He is guaranteed to work perfectly for a thousand years. Now, TikTok was invented by Smith and Tinker at their workshop in Evna. He was later purchased by Evaldo, the king of Land of Ev, who gave him the name TikTok because of the sound he made when uh, he was wound. So, because of the shape of his body, it was actually a suit. 
Um, they, they called it like the acrobat suit because Michael Sundin was upside down inside TikTok, in tic- inside the TikTok suit with his hands operating TikTok's legs and his feet tucked behind the head and he used a monitor to see. Really? Ridiculous. Now, you've seen this movie, obviously. Yes. Okay, I've, I had never heard of this robot or saw this movie. I only found out about it this week when we started researching. Are you serious? Yeah. My, I, so I'm guessing it's just like a, a robot because he's wind up and so he's not a, a cyborg or an android. Yeah, okay. Well, the, as the, what does he look like? Well, as the story of Wizard of Oz carries on, so everybody knows the Wizard of Oz with uh, the Tin Man yeah. and the Scarecrow. Right. Well, as it moves on in the books, um, so this one's actually the third book, Okay. Ozma of Oz. They, the characters interchange because Dorothy comes back and so she no longer has the scarecrow as a companion. She has the pumpkin head. Oh. Jack Pumpkinhead. Okay. And she no longer has the Tin Man as a companion. She has TikTok. Oh. And the two are very, very similar. Pleased to meet you. I am TikTok, the Royal Army of Oz. She fa- she found him in an in an old room um in the Emerald City. Oh. Actually. And then she decided to wind him up, and uh, he reveals at that time that he was placed there by the Scarecrow and was ordered to uh, wait for Dorothy when she decides to come back. Oh. Yeah, because okay. the, the Scarecrow actually, um, I'm pretty sure, becomes king of uh, the Land of Oz not, for a little while. Not a clue. Regardless. Okay. Great. Now... Sean Barrett provided his voice while Tim Rose, uh, known for his role as Admiral Akbar from Return of the Jedi, mm. controlled his facial and arm movements. Very cool. He spoke with his mustache. Oh. Like his mustache wiggled when he talked. Very nice. Yes, it was very cute. Mm. Now, between the development period and actual shooting of the film, there was a change in leadership at Walt Disney Studios, and the uh, director was actually fired for a little while. Oh, just a little while, though. Yeah, because George Lucas and Francis Ford Coppola actually um, supported him, and they rehired him and told him to finish the movie. Okay. Yeah. And it didn't do very well, because it didn't even make half his budget back. Well, perhaps the reason why it blew its budget is that it had to pay a significant amount of money to MGM Studios for the use of the ruby red slippers. Uh. Because they didn't have to get their permission to do the Wizard of Oz or a Wizard of Oz type film, because for the books, it had uh, it had become public domain. Right, okay. Right? Makes, makes sense. So as a result, they were able to make their version of that movie. However, in the original MGM, they changed the original s- silver slippers to red slippers, and they wanted to continue that because of the classic film. Okay. Right? So they, they paid quite a bit for the use of ruby red slippers instead right. of silver right. slippers. Okay. And this is considered a direct sequel to the classic 39 film. Well, it continues the story. It continues. Okay. Which was a really nice addition to the story. I uh, saw Wizard of Oz quite a bit when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Big fan. I really liked it when they did the um, Marvel remake. And he he is in the Marvel remake Ozma of Oz book. Oh, cool. Yeah. All right. TikTok. So what kind of robots from pop culture is he related to? Would it be like the robots from the cartoon movie robots? Like, is he similar to those? He's similar to the Tin Man. Okay. He's just round. He looks more like a, like a, like a steam barrel type okay. where you would like steam. Because in robots, there's the big robot named Copperbottom and he's just a round ball guy. Kind of like that? Yeah, probably. Okay. Yeah, so, Probably. So. Are you trying to get our listeners to know who TikTok is and what he looks like? Well, yeah, just to, to get an image in my mind as well. So With a mustache. Right. And like a hat, like a copper hat. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And he's all one color? Yes, he's all copper. Oh. I think he gets turned to gold. Maybe that was a spoiler. Hmm. I'm supposed to yell spoiler alert right now, aren't I? Uh, maybe. Ah, uh, let's move on. Okay, it's a 30-year-old movie. Number eight. Johnny Five from Short Circuit. This movie was released May 9th, 1986 and made $5.3 million opening weekend. Very good. It grossed $40.6 million and was distributed by TriStar. And if you remember in the 80s, that opening that had TriStar with the unicorn or whatever running through the triangle and yes. that look. <laughs> it was directed by John Badham. And has a Rotten Tomatoes rating of only 57%. That's sad. I know. That's classic 80s cheese right there. That's right. Classic 80s cheese. It was voiced by Tim Blaney. And, well, 
well, Johnny Five is that typical robot that travels off the beaten path, gets struck by lightning, and has he malfunctioned? Yes, he's malfunctioning, but is it really a malfunction, or is he just developing a personality? Right, because the because the lightning strikes him and changes his programming. Is that? If I, it's been a while since I've seen it. Yes, it's changed his programming that now he's more human-like. Right. But he was originally designed as a death machine. Right, I remember that, a war and, machine. Right, and he names himself Number 5, and he they call him Number 5 for the longest time because he was the fifth one in the line. Right, because they did a demonstration and they all five rolled out, right? Yes, That's and right. he, he kind of rolled away and... Right, and then he finds himself... At uh, Stephanie's house. Stephanie. Stephanie. And Stephanie starts to... Well, she thinks he's an alien. Yes. And so she starts to feed him all of this stuff about Earth and pop culture. And here's a book to read. And here's some TV. And starts to... Now he doesn't get his circuits overloaded, but... He needs more input. More input. Yes. And he starts to develop more of a personality where eventually he doesn't want to be called number five anymore. He wants to be called Johnny Five. Right. So your good, um, heartfelt story of a robot that gains a personality. Yeah. And and it's a classic. We 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 haven't watched it for a while, but we, we have it in our collection and watch it. Well, I guess we can't really say fairly regularly because it's been a while. But well, I've I've seen it so many times. I can yeah. almost recite it backwards and forwards. Now that's not the reason why it's made it on our top ten list, though. Why has it been listed in our top ten? Well, for uh, the main reason that there's an honorable mention that needs to be made, and that is of Wally. Of course, he's not part of our list because he is. I guess, in a way, an animated version of Johnny Five. He resembles Johnny Five very much, except mm-hmm. the personality is very different. He's calm, whereas Johnny Five was very excitable. Yes. That, and there was a robot in Care Bears who got struck by lightning. The lightning is chasing me! Really? Yes, and it looked so much like, like well, the, the two of them. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. I, I, did, Care not Bears. I Care did not Bears. know that. The lightning is chasing me! You didn't know that. No. Because robots aren't everything. Even Care Bears. Even Care Bears. That's impressive. Well, uh, the other reason is that uh, I've shown this movie to my kids. They love robots because Mm -hmm. of it. It just keeps bringing more people from different generations to just like robots. And and wasn't there also a sequel to the film? I am alive. It was terrible. It was terrible. Johnny Five is alive. Yeah. That was his thing. Yeah, that's right. Counterfeit facsimile replica. He made a duplicate of himself from all these spare parts. That's incredible. This guy's a genius. Well, above average. Oh, number five, you are great. You are outstandingly great. Yeah. Hey. What's our next move? Well, come on. Let's do like he says. We'll go to Montana. Yeah. I've got 40 acres up there. Great for him to hide out, soak up input. Oh, oh I don't know. I have responsibilities here. What about my animal? Come on, Stephanie. Wait a minute. You say 40 acres? Uh-huh. Listen, do you like animals? Oh, yeah. Well, well, how many animals are we talking about? Great. I drive. You two work this out. You know, when people said it, it was back back then when people quoted movies a lot. Mm-hmm. So it was really oversaid. Yeah, I remember watching that movie quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Like back in the 80s, early 90s. Mm-hmm. It was on TV all the time. Imagine that kind of technology, you know? Right. Yeah. And we just said it tracks, really. Tracks in a funny camera system. And well, who knows? Maybe Wally is set where we've created a bunch of Johnny Fives and now we're using them to like cube our garbage back on Earth. Right. Quite right. possible. Well, when we were doing the research for, for our robots here, some some commentator on the film said that uh, Johnny Five was about 30 years more advanced than the time frame that it portrayed in 85. So only now are the robots able to move out of the way of children and not trample them and that right. kind of thing. So finally, of like proximity yeah, sensors yeah, and exactly. Exactly. So now you could see a Johnny Five robot almost being possible. But back in eighty five, no, definitely not. Well that's just it. Is movies back then thought of concepts that were just part of someone's imagination. That's and right. that's what made them so amazing. So there you have it. Johnny Five. Number seven. Is Gort from the, Yes, Gort from the nineteen fifty one film The Day the Earth Stood Still. Fantastic. Yes, directed by Robert Wise. With a budget of 960000 it grossed $1.8 in its first release. Wow. 
Mm-hmm. Have, have you seen this film? No. That's sad. I know. Have you seen the remake from 2008 with Keanu Reeves? I don't recommend you do, so no. we won't talk about that. I'm well, not a fan of Keanu Reeves, though. Well, he's like he's like a robot. He was okay in The Matrix, but that's because he was supposed to be like somewhat spaced out. Right, right. <laughs> okay, so, so Gort, uh, from The Day the Earth Stood Still, from 1951, he was played by a non-actor named Locke Martin. Hmm. And Locke Martin was a seven-foot-tall, seven-inch doorman at Grauman's Chinese Theater. <laughs> yeah. And he was a fer- apparently a very delicate man, not very strong. And But they needed somebody really, really tall because Gort is an eight-foot metal robot who accompanies the alien Klaatu. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And the whole purpose of... Uh, of Gort he's as, an escort? He's kind of an escort. He's basically one of an interstellar police force with irrecoverable powers to preserve the peace by destroying any aggressor. Interesting. Right. Now, on our list of favorite robots, he is the only one who doesn't speak. This is true. Right. Because what he does is he... Basically, he stands still for most of the movie. Mm-hmm. And he uh, he has... Uh, well, what he is, he's a large, seamless robot made from a single piece of flexible metal. We're never told what kind of metal. Uh, he's just from outer space. He's an alien, and he has uh, a laser weapon that projects from uh, his visor, and he can vaporize weapons or any other obstacles. Very cool. Yeah. So not much of a profile on Gort. There's not too much information. It's it's an old film. There was I didn't have any uh, real detailed information on the film. The the one interesting thing is that they had two suits for the robot outfit. Because what happened was, with the way the design of the suit was, they wanted to make it look like it was seamless. So they had two suits, and the first one had a seam up the front, and the other one had a seam down the back, and they would film from either angle just to not show the seams. No kidding. Yeah, yeah. And so he, he would move a little bit when he would walk, and if they were walking away from the camera, they'd show the back of the suit where the seam was in the front and vice versa. Huh. Yeah. That must have taken a lot of time. Apparently it and did. And editing. Yeah, I would assume so. I can't imagine. Yeah. And uh, really good classic film. Not much more you can say about it. We we don't have any uh, clips play from him because... He doesn't speak. He, he doesn't speak. Uh, the the one thing that you might take away from the film is when uh, Klaatu, his alien companion, uh, has that... Uh, I, I don't know the exact line off my top of my head because I didn't write it down, but it's... Clatu, Narada, Nikto. Clatu, Narada, Nikto. Clatu, Narada, Biktu. Something like that that they used in the uh, Evil Dead film. Well, seems fairly obvious. Words, right, right, right. Say the words. Clatu, Barata, Necktie, Nectar, Nickel. So it's really kind of cool. So it's just a little bit of pop culture, and that's where it came from. But still a fantastic pop culture Reference. movie robot. Yeah, oh, yes. Definitely high on our list. Number six. Is Bishop from Aliens, released in 1986, with a gross of $85 million in the U.S. and $131 million worldwide. It had a budget of $18 million. Wow. Right. Directed by James Cameron, and it depicts events that occur in the year 21. 79. Wow. Now, the reason we have Bishop what, on the list. What are robots like in 2179? Scary? Oh, yeah. Scary stuff? Could be. Mm. Actually, robots before 2179 are worse because that would be Ash from the first film, who was also an android. And terrifying. And terrifying. And he scared Ripley quite a bit because he was evil. That's right. Right. So we're picking Bishop from the second film because he's played by Lance Henriksen. And significant to us because our son's name is Bishop. That's right. Right. That's right. Okay. And that's why he made it on the list 
as that, opposed to Ash. That's right. Right. Or or David from Prometheus, which is also in the same film universe. Exactly. Androids. Yeah. So a little bit of uh, information on Lance Bishop. He is Hyperdyne Systems Model 341-B. He is a synthetic technician of the U.S. Colonial Marine Corps. He's the executive officer of the USS Sulaco, uh, but not part of the combat personnel. He's part of the Marines, but not part of the combat. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Now, he was designed and created by Michael Wayland of the Wayland yutani Corps. Okay. 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 And, of course, like I said, uh, he's a newer model than Ash from the Alien film, directed by Ridley Scott in 1979. Right. Which took place in the year 2122. Wow. Okay. So sometime between 2122 and 2179 is when the Bishop android was created. Interesting. Newer model. Mm-hmm. 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 Uh, advanced android designed and programmed to mimic humans in the closest possible way, inherently superior intellect and reflexes. The three levels of products... No, sorry. The three levels of robotics were core to his programming. The three laws of robotics were core to his programming. Right. You know, the ones that say they shall not harm a human. They won't let humans come to harm. They won't let uh, themselves come to harm. You know, the Asimov rules. No, no, you said three levels. Did I say three levels? Twice. Really? (laughs) Okay. Well, it's the three laws of robotics. Is what I meant. There's to say. a lot of different levels too. There are. There are so many levels. Good robotics, bad robotics, quirky robotics. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. My apologies. Okay. So anyway, like I said, uh, superior intellect reflexes. Uh, he can emulate emotions and interact socially. He can learn and adapt based on observation. And he's trained to use surgical equipment. He's trained in biology and dissection and that kind of thing. So he was a fully all-around awesome android. Very cool. Yeah. Now, honorable mentions, of course, he it looks human. Like, if uh, if he hadn't nicked himself playing the uh, the knife game on his fingers, where he had the white blood oozing out of his hand, yeah, you wouldn't know he was an android. He's that convincing. He's that convincing. And he's he's got lifelike flesh, and he looks Well, like real. the fembots. Like without boob cannons, right? Exactly, and uh, I guess he's similar to the Beta Unit from the Last Starfighter. Okay, yeah. You know, different kind of android, but also looks human. A beta, he's a Beta Unit, kinda. <laughs> well, he is model three forty one B. Right. Maybe B stands for Beta. Could be. Don't know. Well, I really hope we don't get to the point where we're that convincing, like that the robots are that convincing. Well, I wouldn't want a beta of myself while walking around, potentially messing up all my stuff. Well, if it was programmed properly, you could uh, send it to work. Really? Let's look at Johnny Five. One strike with a lightning, done. Well, that's true. That's true. It's delicate programming up there. Well, yeah. Yeah. So, there is that. Yeah. Back when the movie was done, Aliens was done, there was no CG. There was all either practical effects or miniatures, right? And a very rough kind of... uh, maybe rear screen projection or what you know was but but that movie holds up it's not like it fell apart because of when it was done 20 years ago so when i got ripped in half they nobody understood how the hell we did it because you literally see it ripped in half but anyway it it survived the test of time i think it's going to last you know quite a while Maybe even longer than me. <laughs> okay, number five. The Iron Giant, which is an American animated science fiction film released in 1999. It has a Rotten Tomatoes rating at 97%. Really? Yes. That's amazing. It's fantastic. Oh, it's a great film. I'm really glad that this film received such a high rating. Now, it's based on the 1968 story Iron Man by British poet Ted Hughes. Cool which is where the term Iron Man starts. Now, we are also going to put in an honorable mention for... Iron Man? Iron Man, who originates from a comic book. Uh, he is technically a cyborg. Right, because... In a robotic suit. A cyborg in a robot suit, yeah. Right, so that one's a, a little bit difficult. Super cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my favorite franchises is the Iron Man franchises. However, it has to all start from somewhere, and there's a very specific reason why the Iron Giant made our top ten list. Exactly. Now, this film is about a giant metal machine that drops from the sky, and it's set in small town Maine in 1958. 
the Iron Giant befriends a boy named Hogarth, and the story more or less surrounds the development of their friendship, which uh, basically happens because the Iron Giant has lost all of his memory. Hmm, how sad. Production budget of seventy million and made a t- domestic total gross of twenty three million. It had a seventy million dollar budget for a cartoon. Yes, because it uh, was one of uh, the early movies that used both traditional animation and computer animation. If you remember back then, it was was really expensive to produce computer animation. Wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a metal eating robot. And was voiced by Vin Diesel. Right, cool. Yep. And the strange thing about the Iron Giant, he has a uh, involuntary reaction to behave defensively when it recognizes a weapon and will immediately attempt to destroy it. Now, the specific creator of the Iron Giant is never revealed, uh, but in a deleted scene, he has a brief vision of similar robots destroying a different planet. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, it's important to mention that he's one of those types of robots that when he's split apart, say blown up or something like that, he has a beacon in him that when you activate it, um, all the parts come back together and he is able to rebuild himself. Oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Very handy feature. Yep. The film was directed by Brad Bird, written by Brad Bird, and Tim McCanley's. Very cool. That's right. The Iron Giant. Why is it part of our list, Bridget? Well, it's part of our list because it is my oldest son, Patrick's, favorite movie. And was for the longest time. He wanted to watch it over and over again. When his brother started to be able to realize what movies were all about and enjoy them with him, he showed him the movie a million times. To the point where his younger brother decided to draw all over the bottom of the CD. I had to purchase the movie three times, actually, over the course of our lifetime. <laughs> We've had it on video cassette. Right. We've had it on a DVD. And then, of course, the DVD copy got ruined and we had to buy another one. Of course. Yeah. But it was always a family favorite. And I am unsure if it's in this house right now. Therefore, it will need a purchase of another copy. <laughs> Definitely. For whatever reason. Yes. I can't think that it's that we have it in our possession. I don't right know. It's been a few years since I've seen it, so it's time to revisit. I hope that we've we've kept it. It's a fantastic movie. Yes, it is. I'm glad it got such a high rating because it deserves it. Yeah. And it was a great introduction for back then to have kids enjoy robots, which my son was only three years old when it was released. Number four. R2-D2 and C-3PO from Star Wars. Of course, everyone knows that this is written and directed by George Lucas, had a budget of $11 million, grossed $460 million in the U.S. and $314 million overseas. These are the only two characters to appear in all six films. So we're not going to go through them all. If you don't know what the Star Wars films right. are... <laughs> you know what the films are. You're listening to the wrong podcast. Yes. No. You know what the films are. So, who played C-3PO? Anthony Daniels, who's a protocol droid and knows six million languages. Or six million forms of communication. C-3PO, human-cyborg relations. That's right. That's what he does. Exactly. Right. Um, he His main function is to assist in etiquette, customs, and translations. C-3PO translates... R2-D2's speech for us, and he's created by young Anakin from Spare Parts. Tatooine is his home world. R2-D2, on the other hand, was done up for us by Kenny Baker. He's an astromech droid, which R2-D2 itself stands for Second Generation Robotic Droid Series 2. He's an astromech droid, which some serve as automated mechanics, repair, and can substitute as nav computers. 
He can interface with the mainframe of larger ships and can co-pilot small ships. Yeah. Yeah. So he's really handy to have around. He gets um, pretty much uh, every character that he comes across out of some kind of a jam at some point. Yeah. Now, see, okay, maybe not so much. Maybe not. But R2-D2 and C-3PO, we chose them as one number on the list. Yeah, we, they go together. Yeah. because They're a team. They are. They're inseparable. They're like... Peanut butter and jam yeah, and all that stuff. Exactly. What do you mean, broken? Well, fix it then, you stupid bucket. Really, machines are so unreliable. Oh, well done, Artu. I knew you could do it. Hello. I am C-3PO, human cyborg relations, and this is my counterpart, R2-D2. Now, in the Star Wars universe, all robots are called droids. Right. And that's a George Lucas thing, but these are technically both robots. They're robots. Although C-3PO has a more human-like countenance, so more android-like, he's still a robot because he doesn't have the flesh and he, he couldn't pass for human. No, he doesn't pass for human whatsoever. Right. Especially not with his human-cyborg relations. Exactly. Nobody's impressed. No, they're you know? not. They're not. Right. And, of course, he's gold with the silver leg. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Which, that's not fooling anybody. No. You know? That's right. But we put them on the list because they are... They, Kid, kids love them. They go hand in hand with robots. We're doing top 10 robot count. They have to... They're the Star Wars robots. Yes, they're all named droids, but these two are the big ones that... I mean, there's there's other little droids bouncing around that look like R2-D2 but aren't R2-D2. These two were just awesome together. Right, right. And they added to the films. Come on, let's be serious. And, and I must have, like, seven or eight different versions of R2-D2 in my in my robot collection. Right, and then there was that perfect C-3PO yeah. that we saw. Mm-hmm. Fabulous, fabulous collectible. Oh, yeah. It, they're just so attractive. They are. You know, I don't know anybody who doesn't like R2-D2. No, he's everybody's favorite. And he doesn't, he doesn't technically talk. No, no. He, he, we need C-3PO to translate no, what he says. Right, Gort in the Earth that still didn't say anything, but... R2-D2, of course, has his beeps and his whistles. Well, and his inflections and the beeps and whistles and all that stuff, too. Mm-hmm, yeah. You know? It's very cool. Yeah. So there you have it. R2-D2, C-3PO. We combine them for the purpose of this list. Number three. RoboCop. From the film, RoboCop, released in 1987, directed by Paul Verhoeven. I think that's how you say his name. I think so. Mm-hmm. Released in 87, taking place in the near future. Now, it's never given a specific date, but reading some stuff, 2015 seemed to be, for the most part, the... Uh, you mean in the original film it was portrayed to be like 2015? Yeah, around there, yeah. Whose opinion is this? I, I read it somewhere. That's what they there, say. There's no specific date. Those guys? Yeah, those guys. Uh, what else can I tell you about it? It has a budget of $13 million and grossed $53 million in the U.S. Uh, Peter Weller starred as Alex Murphy slash Robocop. Mm. And, of course, then we also had the 1990 film, Robocop 2, directed by Irvin Kirshner, budget of $35 million and it made $45. Uh, saw Robocop 3, directed by Fred Decker, budget of $23.5 million, but it only made $10.6 million. And maybe that's because Peter Weller was not Robocop, it was some guy named Robert Burke. Mm. Right. So right. They, and this is where they introduced the flight pack. Okay. So so that was that was a pretty silly film actually. And of course then they had the T V series and the and the mini series and the T V movies and the other things. But Robocop twenty fourteen was directed by Jose Padilla, played by Joel Kinneman, with a budget of a hundred million. It made two hundred and forty two million worldwide. But, no kidding. And it takes place in the year twenty twenty eight. It actually specifically says that. Very nice. So, what can I tell you about RoboCop's purpose and characteristics? Well, he has uh, basically been created by OCP, or Omni Consumer Products, to ha- because the, the police are on strike in the old Detroit. Gotcha. So, they needed uh, more cops. They needed cops. Right. Okay. Yeah. And, of course, the ED-209 unit malfunctioned, so that's when... Uh, Did it kill a bunch of people? It killed the guy in the boardroom. Just the one guy? Just the one guy on, on, its, on its test there. That's not too and, bad. And so Bob Morton piped up and said, hey, I've got an idea for a RoboCop. And so he's got three primary objectives, almost like the three laws of robotics. Okay. It's serve the public trust. Yes. Protect the innocent. Yes. And uphold the law. Whoa. And, of course, there's the famous hidden fourth directive, which we won't spoil here if you haven't seen the movie. Full range. Now play back. Bring it up 50 
Give me a full frame. You got it. All right, clear out. What are your prime directives? Serve the public trust, protect the innocent, uphold the law. That's good. That's very good. So, he's basically an experimental cyborg design with a total body prosthesis. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of like uh, like the Borg. Well, kind of, but the, the, the Borg are also cyborg, but they're different. They're, they're, they're full body and they just have parts added to them. Basically, what happened with Robocop was he was shot to pieces and the only part they really kept was his brain. Now, this is where our honorable mention to the Borg come into play. We are the Borg. Lower your shields and surrender your ships. We will add your biological and technological distinctiveness to our own. Your culture will adapt to service us. Resistance is futile. Because I guess in a sense we put them in the same category as, well, in in the Borg they assimilate other species to be part machine, part flesh, Mm -hmm. whereas in Robocop, people did this to him. Exactly. Right? That's right. But the Borg originated on TV. So they get an honorable mention? Correct. Yeah. Maybe when we come back and do a top 10 TV robots episode. Oh, that's for sure. Yeah. It's on there. Yeah. Okay. So he's uh, a cyborg with computer and mechanically assisted reflexes, dynamic software for plotting strategies. Uh, he has those ballistic vectors so he can uh, like do uh, bank shots for his bullets, ricocheting off things and that kind of stuff. Super cool. It's awesome. Now, uh, Robocop is, his official name is the OCP Crime Prevention Unit 001. Mm-hmm. His primary weapon is the Auto 9. Okay. It fits in his right leg holster. And according to the TV series, only he can use it. So that's that's only in the TV series from 1994. Gotcha. Right. So he's got some living tissue, basically his brain. His shell is titanium laminated with Kevlar, and it's highly heat resistant. That's a good thing to have. Right. Yep, he's, he's got a bluish tinge, and he, he has slightly different colors depending on which movie and which film series and so on. Hmm. And in, in the video game, he, he's more of a purpley color. We have, they, they play with his color quite a bit, don't they, they? They do, they do. And he has he has other weapons. He has the uh, assault cannon that they use at the end of the first film, and it's really super cool and super powerful. And uh, This was an action flick. It, it was. It's a robot that is all action-packed. But it had a lot of social commentary for 1987. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. So, probably one of the most famous cyborgs in existence. So, is that why it's made our list? It's one of my favorites. That's why it's made our list. I, 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 how, many, how many Robocop action figures do I have? Tons. Uh, there's a whole shelf dedicated to it in our kitchen. That's true. That is the Robocop shelf. <laughs> the kitchen Robocop shelf. <laughs> yes. That is true. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we love our RoboCop. Right. Well, we also love our Transformers, but unfortunately the Transformers... Originated on a TV show, so we didn't mention them either. But... But when we do our TV episode... For sure. Oh, yeah. The Transformers are super cool. And the whole species are all transforming robots. That's right. You know, Mm -hmm. so that's that's for another episode. Yeah, exactly. So that's that's RoboCop. I won't give any plot points away in case you haven't seen the film, but uh, 1987's first film is definitely the best. And the... According to Sean. According to me, yeah. The 2014 version that just came out, we saw it at the theater, didn't we? Yes, we did. And what did we think of that? We thought it was all right. We liked it. Yeah, but we're diehard fans, though. We are. We are. Now, it's, it's not... Your Robocop from 1987, of course. Well, of course. It's it's almost 30 years later. Well, it was rebooted, revisited. Re- rebooted, re- reimagined, maybe? Yeah. Yeah, because it's, it's not the same universe. So, it, it's cool. Uh, if you hadn't seen the original three Robocops, this would be fantastic film. Right. So, you have to take it for what it is. Just uh-huh. just like the, the new J.J. vs. Star Trek, it's, it's a different kind of thing. It's a different universe as well. It's, it's similar, but it's an alternate timeline. You that's, can say. That's right. Yeah, cool, but different. Your move, creep. Number two. Ah, the Terminator. One of my favorite all-time robots. Terminator 1 and Terminator 2, both directed by James Cameron. We won't talk about the other films in the series. Now, you're talking about the name of the movie is called Terminator. Well, the first film from 1984 is called The Terminator, and the one in 1991 is Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Okay, but what's the name of the robot? 
the Terminator. Is that what he's called? Well, that, he is the Terminator, but uh, he's played by Arnold Schwarzenegger, and technically he's Cyberdyne Systems Model 101 Series 800 Infiltrator Combat Unit. Better. That's what I was looking for. <laughs> right, right. Okay. So, back in 1984, the film had a budget of $6.5 million mm-hmm. and it made $38 million. My goodness. Right. So, they upped that a little bit for Terminator 2. Of course. Uh, it had a budget of between 94 and $102 million. But that's pretty obvious if you see the film. And it made $204 million. Voila. Right. So, like I said, Arnold Schwarzenegger plays the Terminator. Yep. And in the original timeline, he was produced in the year 2026. Mm-hmm. Now, he's a cybernetic organism with living tissue over a hyper-alloy endoskeleton. He's got a CPU neural net processor, or learning computer. Keep it under 65. We don't want to be pulled over. Affirmative. No, 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 no. you got to listen to the way people talk. You don't say affirmative or something like that. You say, no problemo. And if someone comes off to you with an attitude, you say, eat me. And if you want to shine them on, it's hasta la vista, baby. Hasta la vista, baby. Yeah, or later, dickwad. And if someone gets upset, you say, chill out. Or you could do combinations. Chill out, dickwad. That's great. See, you're getting it. No problemo. He has detailed files on anatomy, which makes him an efficient killer. Now, there's different kinds of Terminators. We're specifically talking about the Arnold one. But the other ones, infiltrator units have flesh, but the combat units do not. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. So flesh, skin, hair, and blood. Okay, so androids. That's the interesting debate about the Terminator. Is he a robot? Is he a cyborg? Or an android? Or all three? The the combat units without the flesh, they're just robots. Okay. Okay. You put some skin on that thing, and it's an android. Okay. But because it's an infiltrator unit, and it, it needs its flesh to pose as a human to invade the resistance cells, it's kind of a cyborg. It never lived. No. The, so it's not it, a cyborg. It, it doesn't need the living flesh. To, to be a to, cyborg? Yes, it does. No, no, listen. <laughs> this is where it gets complicated. So if, if it's just naked with its endoskeleton, it's a robot. If it looks like Arnold Schwarzenegger, it's an android. Okay, well, if you take off Data's skin, he's a robot. Well, that's... If he, you take off uh, Data's skin, he's a robot. Okay, but we're not talking about Data. This is the well, I'm just saying, I'm just, I know that. Right. I know where so, we are. Okay, okay. So it depends on the purpose of the cyborg. You tell me what the difference is. I am telling you. I'm trying to explain. It's complicated, and you're interrupting me. So, cut it out. <laughs> no. Okay, so <laughs> you've got your basic combat unit. Okay. It's just the, the uh, chrome robot. Okay. Okay, it's a robot. Mm-hmm. Okay, now when it's an infiltrator unit, that means it's going into the human places and passing as a human. So it's an android, but it's a, also a cyborg because it needs its living flesh over the endoskeleton. Living to, flesh. To pass uh, it doesn't need it to live or function, but for its specific purpose, it does. So that's why it's complicated. Yeah, it's complicated. Right. Technically, he's an android. That's what we changed the Facebook status to. Yes. It's complicated. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Okay. And we just left it at that. Yeah. So moving on, what's he, what's his purpose? He's capable of running internal systems checks. He can analyze the atmosphere, trajectories, weather patterns, and most importantly, human emotional states, and he can feel textures. Interesting. Yeah. Hey, it's important to feel those textures. Right. And the series number refers to the type of internal structure or chassis of the actual robot. <laughs> so that's very cool. <laughs> uh, they have a functional period of 120 years on one power cell. Interesting. Mm-hmm. That's a long time. It is a very long time. Strong power cell. Yeah. We need to tap into some of that. Right. The world is in desperate need. Yep. Now, Arnold Schwarzenegger played two versions of the same thing, of course. In the first film, he was evil and he had to very bad kill Sarah Connor. Yes. In the second film he was reprogrammed by John Connor from the future, sent back in time to protect the young John Connor. Now he didn't think that through very well because the moment that, you know, his mom saw him, she freaked out. Right. With right. good reason. Oh yeah, for sure. Oh terrible man back mm-hmm. to kill me from the future. Yeah. And of course he then played the same model in Terminator three. Right. But he just yeah. It wasn't really directed by James Cameron, so mm. you know. It's so so Right, but my favorite is probably the Terminator 2. Terminator. I need your clothes, your boots, 
and your motorcycle. And finally, number one. Ultimate robot on our list is Robbie the Robot. That's right. From Forbidden Planet, released 1956, directed by Fred Wilcox. Had an estimated budget of $1.9 million, and it earned $2.7 million. Fantastic. Well, back in those days, I guess that probably was pretty good. Fantastic. Yeah. Now, Robbie the Robot is seven foot tall with a conical face dome, mechanical legs, uh, 300 pounds, mm-hmm. approximately. Mm-hmm. Uh, the suit was operated in the film by somebody named Frankie Darrow, and the voice was actually provided by Marvin Miller in post-production. Very nice. Mm-hmm. Now, who was Robbie the Robot? Well, he was a servant of Dr. Morbius of Altair IV. He was created by Dr. Morbius using knowledge from the extinct race of the Krell who used to live on that planet. Hmm. Now, I, I made you see this film, right? Yes. And what you, you made me. Well, I, I you said, hey, you do, you want, do you want to see Forbidden Planet I with tie, me? And I, t- I was like, sure. I tied you down and strapped you to the chair and said, hey, we're watching this. And toothpicked your eyes. You toothpicked my eyes. I toothpicked your it eyes. It was awful. It was an awful experience. Yeah. Yes. No, it was great. I'm glad that we uh, got to share... The movie viewing that um, started the whole Robbie the Robot. Because he appears in a lot. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's not just in Forbidden Planet. No, he has cameos everywhere. We saw him in the background in Cherry 2000, which yeah. we, we reviewed in, what, episode 16 of our podcast? Yeah. Something like that. Um, what else? He he was in the Gremlins background scene. Uh, actually, the he was in two episodes of Lost in Space. Mm-hmm. He uh, he was in The Invisible Boy in 1957. There, there's a whole list on his uh, IMDb page and also on the Wikipedia that there's there's so much that he was in. That he appears in. Yeah. As Robbie the Robot. Exactly. I know. Now, in, in the first film, he was uh, Robbie the Robot with artificial intelligence, distinct personality, great sense of humor. Mm-hmm. He had access to 187 languages. Whoa. Yeah. Uh, built-in chemical laboratory to produce anything that you wanted. Super awesome. And and the most amazing thing, yeah. he's credited in the film as playing himself. He's the first and only non-human, non-living actor to actually appear as himself. He's credited in the film as Robbie the Robot. Huh. Yeah. Super cool. Right. Now, he, he's got the blue appearance, and when he talks, you can see the, uh, well, it almost looks like a cash register or something in his face dome, and it lights up. Gentlemen, I am to transport you to the residence. If you do not speak English, I am at your disposal with 187 other languages along with their various dialects and sub-tongues. Colloquial English will do fine, thank you. Uh, This is uh, no offense, but you are a robot, aren't you? That is correct, sir. For your convenience, I am monitored to respond to the name Robbie. Nice climate you have here. High oxygen content. I rarely use it myself, sir. It promotes rust. Hey, Doc, is it a is it a male or female? In my case, sir, the question is totally without meaning. Will you get in, gentlemen? I think it's Probably my favorite robot of all time. Really? Yeah. And I think the favorite of a lot. Mm-hmm. Of a lot. He's yeah. a classic. Very classic. And, you know, they like to trickle him into pop culture all over the place. Mm-hmm. Which is just further pushing the whole robot thing. Yeah. It's like drug pushing. And it was a more serious take on sci-fi, just like uh, The Day the Earth Stood Still. Yeah. There, there was a lot of the bug-eyed monsters from the 50s. Yeah. But these these were serious takes. Ex- I, exactly. And I, I think that's why they're they last to this day like yeah. they're, they're classics and uh, yeah it's just my favorite robot and uh what, what did what did you think of the film i really liked it yeah he's he's a great robot you know and uh the fact that they took the time to give him the nice personality that he has and everything else they you know they they started an era that uh it, it snowballed obviously it did into having all kinds of robots all over the place. I can't even say just in pop culture. No. Because it just, it shows up in TV, it shows up in movies, it shows up in books, it shows up in comics. Robots show up everywhere. They do. They're ubiquitous. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that's why maybe we have such a, a, a love for them. No, we're not surrounded with nothing but robots all over our house. We have collectibles of all kinds of geekery and 
because we like all things geek, but we have a special place in our hearts for robots. That's right. You know? That's right. And that's what we try to do with our, our own podcast. We, uh, we profile a different robot at the end of each show, just so people are more familiar with well, different kinds. Honestly, I'm, I'm kind of curious to see how far we could go before we run out of robots without repeating the same one twice. Right, right. Well, as of recording this, we've done, what, 38 episodes? Yeah, and the list goes on and on. And we'll be up to 41 or 42 by the time this episode comes out. Mm-hmm. So, not, now, not every episode has a robot profile, because sometimes we do interviews with people. Which are fairly lengthy. Yeah. But we typically try to ask our uh, interviewees mm-hmm. what their favorite robot is. That's another interesting thing about robots, is we, whenever we go to conventions or something like that, we like to ask people what their favorite robot is, and people stop and really give it a thought, like, hmm. Yeah. What is my favorite robot? We have yet to have somebody says, you know what? I don't like robots. Yeah, I think those are stupid. Yeah, that hasn't happened yet. No. <laughs> well, certainly not at a convention, but no, true. when you say uh, rusted robot, people don't just shy away and say, oh, that sounds like stupidity. They're curious. They are. And we... they, they want to know if we fix computers, too. Yeah, <laughs> there lady. is that. Oh, that's just a common misconception because you're a geek. Right. Yeah. And because you're a geek, people automatically assume that Sean Vanderloo knows how to fix computers. And I don't. He knows nothing about computers. I know more about computers than you do. You do. I'm lucky I can get the podcast out every week. Well, that's what took us a little bit of time to get started. Yeah. Was we had to find a really simple interface to be able to do it. And now we're hooked. We are. Yeah. We don't recommend that you listen to the first eight episodes of the podcast. It has great discussion in it. It has great interviews in it. Mm-hmm. Don't get us wrong, but uh, we hadn't really narrowed down our uh, recording style. And it sounds really airy, I guess you can say. Yeah, you can hear, pick up of the room and uh, all, the, all the different background sounds. But we did actually go back and re-record an introduction for the first episode an explaining intro- that. An introduction to the introduction. That's right. So that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it's... Uh, but it's good fun. It's great fun. We always try to have a blast. We've met a lot of fantastic people. In the podcasting world. Oh, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Like, well, there's there's so many. Like, everybody who did the video for episode 500, we, we've pretty much had dealings with, talked to. Well, you just like that you got to meet all these interesting people because in northeastern Ontario, if you were to look at a map, there <laughs> isn't a lot of towns that are close by and interconnected or anything like that. The most common thing that people say is that Canada doesn't have a lot of roads. You're right. It doesn't have a lot of roads. It doesn't have a lot of towns either. And the population of where we live is quite small. Uh, 45,000-ish. 45,000, and it's not, uh, not a highly populated area. You have to drive quite a bit to see anything. So this has really expanded our world where there are definitely geeks that live in the same town as us, and we all kind of know each other on a first-name basis. Right. However... Mm-hmm. We like to expand our horizons just as much as anybody else in the podcasting world has allowed us to do that. That's true. It's quite amazing. And we're quite thankful for it, which yeah. is why we return week after week. And uh, so far, our listeners are liking the stuff that we're putting out, mm-hmm. unless somebody's just, you know, can't bring themselves to say something mean to us. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's true. We wouldn't want that. No, that wouldn't be very But good. we certainly do appreciate the kind words and the reviews that we've received so far. That's true. Mm-hmm. Now... If you'd like to find our podcast, we're at therestedrobot.podbean.com. If you want to send us an email, you can do so at therestedrobot at gmail.com. And we certainly hope that you enjoyed our top 10 robot movie list. And once again, movie movie robot list. Movie robot list. Movie robot list. I get those confused. Robot movie. Our favorite robots from movies. Favorite robots from movies. Yeah. Not, Not all the robots from all the movies, just 10 ones that we like a lot. That's right. Ten ones that we like a lot? <laughs> ten that we like a lot. The top ten that we like a lot. Mm-hmm. There you have it. Yeah. So once again, we just wanted to thank Rico for the chance to come on your show and take over and let people know about us. And we had a great time. And remember, the human adventure is just beginning. Trips in Sci-Fi. Weekly dose of Kiki Goodness.
Sci-Fi. Join the forum at treksinsci-fi.com forward slash forum or write to Rika today. TrekSF at gmail.com Until next time, live long and prosper. Treks in Sci-Fi. The force had ever known And your wife was hot You loved her to the bone But then they shut you up Just about a million times Chief turned you into a cyborg They pay for the crimes But you can't go back to your old life I know you miss your wife Protect and serve is your only code Also you'll never grow old Bonus Rusted Robot.